Because We're Nerds, the podcast that covers trends and new releases in comics, movies, video games, board games, and much more. I'm your host, Caleb, and today we're giving you a guide to comics. Which company is best? Should you collect them? And where should you start? Find out the answers to these questions and much more on this week's episode of Because We're Nerds. We are back! And, you know, I was going to say we have a guest, but at this point, he's basically a series regular, and that's Chris from the CNC Power Hour. I have been upgraded. This is awesome. Caleb, thank you so much for having me back. <laughs> you're like that guy in TV shows where it's like, you're like Urkel, right? He was only supposed to be in one episode, and then he was so popular, he just kept coming back. Yeah, uh, that's the nicest thing anybody said about me all day. Chris, you're like <laughs> Urkel. Caleb, 2018. Thanks, buddy. And only the best of ways. Right, of course. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back again. Zach will be back next week. Uh, he's actually moving to more of a uh, every two-week schedule, just so our listeners know. Uh, like I said, he's got life going on, so we're going to have some other people filling in for him when he can't be here. But that is neither here nor there, because this week we are talking about comic books. Now, this topic was actually submitted by one of our listeners, Katie. Thank you for sending this in. Uh, it really helps us when you guys can let us know what you want to hear. So please, if you have ideas that you want to hear, if you have things that you don't want to hear, actually, send all of that to us, nerds at gmail.com, or on our Facebook, or on our Twitter, even on our Instagram, for that matter. Uh, we want to know. So, while you're at it, actually, uh, also tell your friends about us. Because we like to grow our audience, and you guys are the best way to do that. Please? Pretty please? And also ask your friends what they want to hear, because that might actually get them listening if we uh, if we do what they want. Yeah, we do this every week. So week to week, sometimes it's like, hmm, what's the best thing to talk about this week? And you guys can come through in a pinch. So you're the best. All right, Chris, since we're talking about comics, I figured we should start at the very beginning. A comic book is a book with pictures in it. You know, uh, I, too, have the Wikipedia article pulled up, so. Um, <laughs> um, nah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty accurate. I mean, uh, usually there's a bit more nuance to it. Comics often have uh, panels, is what they're called. Basically, the pictures are subdivided, so you get multiple pictures on one page, so you can tell more of a story. That's not always true. There are definitely comics that are experimental and have, like, you know one picture per page or one picture per two pages or whatever, but that's usually how it goes. Uh, it's got words and it's got pictures. Yep. Wait, does that mean a picture book is a comic book? Yes. Also hieroglyphics. Hmm. Okay. I'm down. All right. Uh, um. All right. So Chris, uh, I figured that we could go through a very brief kind of history of the medium uh, just to give some context to everyone, because we're going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff. Uh, so, I am not a historian. I know most of the stuff from books I've read, things that I've read, comic books and stuff. Uh, so, call me out if I'm wrong on anything. Uh, and I will call you out if you're wrong. Profusely. Oh, good. That's, 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 <laughs> so, that's, the, that's why we're friends. Right. <laughs> uh, so, comic books as we know them today kind of got their start based off of the comics and the newspapers, right? The the comic strips. 
those were basically collected and put into books, uh, and that eventually led to comic books, uh, which started out with, what, like, funny comic books, right? Comics about animals and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I want to say uh, Felix the Cat, or Crazy Cat, um, was one of, the, one of the first just, like, straight comic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they eventually, like, migrated to books from newspapers, even using the same sort of paper. Yeah. Uh, and... So just just focusing on comedy, right? Because they they could hit you know little kids with the bright colors. And, mm-hmm. It's uh, think think like Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny and stuff. That's the type of stuff they were printing. Right, right. Until the late '30s, uh, when uh, Siegel and Schuster came out with Action Comics number one. At, was that, uh, I thought that Comics. was early '30s. I thought it was like '32 uh, or something. Maybe maybe '33. I want to say it was '38. Uh, let me check my sources here. Uh, Action Comics number one is 1938. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but it, it, uh, Detective Comics had actually started before that. Uh, Detective Comics had started in 37, which was, it wasn't really superhero stuff. A lot of the stuff that they were doing at the time was like pulp uh, detective stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. If you look at uh, comic history, there's phases. And so when it first came around, it was like the funny phase, and then it got to like the pulpy phase. Think The Mask or Dick Tracy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then superheroes. Uh, and superheroes actually faded out a little while later, but they were pretty big when they came around. Yeah, so like that was in the 30s. And then, of course, we went into World War II, and comics exploded at that point uh, because all the soldiers actually needed stuff to do in their downtime. And so comics were shipped over to them and they would read them a lot. But after the war ended, it kind of crashed uh, superhero comics specifically. Uh, and they kind of did a different thing. I think they went to more like dating stuff, kind of like Archie, that type of uh, story. Yeah. Um, either it actually kind of shifted really hard. It was either dating or horror comics. There was a lot of that too. Uh, in fact, You'd be really surprised some of the things that like Marvel uh, published at this time, which actually Marvel originally was known as Timely Comics. I don't think it changed its name to Marvel until the sixties, f- maybe the fifties, some, uh, some late fifties, because it was Timely, then Atlas, then Timely Atlas, and then Marvel. Marvel, yeah, and that was before Silver or before Fantastic Four number one, because they were Marvel Comics at that point. Right, exactly. And Marvel actually had their their first heroes, fun fact, were um, the Human Torch, not the one on the Fantastic Four. This was a robot and Namor, the Submariner, who was basically um, their version of uh, Aquaman. Right. And of course, Captain America, um, also very early on. Yeah, but he did come after the other two. But yeah, he was he was around for the uh, World War Two phase. Uh, And Mm. so Comics took that dip. They went into the horror and the dating side of things until right around, I want to say the early 60s. It probably started a bit more uh, in the late 50s. Uh, They were brought back. But I know like DC did Justice League, which I think was a really big piece of that. Yeah. So so two things happened in the 60s that really put comic books on the map uh, or superhero comic books on the map again. It was Justice League uh, being produced and also fantastic four being produced this kicks off what everybody in the industry calls the silver age of comics 
everything before this was like the golden age where everything was, you know, kind of new and random ideas. But uh, the 60s, they kind of took those ideas and characters and started really maturing on them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where you get the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man and Amazing Fantasy uh, and uh, yeah. the other versions of DC superheroes. So in the 60s, they ended up kind of bringing in a new Green Lantern, which is Hal Jordan, the one that's probably really, uh, really well known, or uh, Barry Allen, the new Flash, which has his own TV show, right? That's how well known he mm-hmm. is now. Yeah, because they had also versions of those characters that have nothing to do with the ones that we know of uh, previous to that. Uh, and so like they super revamped those. But yeah, like you said, Spider-Man, but pretty much all of the classic Marvel heroes are from the 60s. This is when uh, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee and... Uh, uh, oh, Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. There we go. Uh, Joe Simon and all of them were were working through these characters uh, and bringing them to life, and and felt like more was popping up all the time. Uh, Marvel also took a key uh, page from. Um, man, I'm having issues talking today. Took a page from DC uh, with the Avengers. So the Avengers weren't actually first. They they were kind of copied off of Justice League, which is kind of interesting considering the popularity now. Yeah, you'll actually see this back and forth going a lot, where someone does something similar, or someone does something at DC, then Marvel does something similar or derivative, or the other way around. And it's just kind of how this works with such a close-knit industry, mm-hmm. because there's only so many people writing, there are only so many people drawing, there are only so many people painting or inking, that um, ideas kind of get melded between both of the big two companies, which are DC and Marvel. That's why we keep mentioning them. Right. Uh, And then for the next couple decades, I feel like comics were kind of always there. Sometimes they had ups and downs through the 70s and the 80s. Um, And then in the 90s, they started to get like uber popular. Yeah. um, So the idea of collecting became extremely popular in the 90s because uh, now information was getting shared on the internet about people finding older comics and being able to sell them, uh, you know, at, to someone on the other side of the States for a bunch of money. Right. And so it led to a bunch of people buying into comic books, which also at the time, like uh, comic books sort of started becoming more marketing savvy. Mm-hmm. And you, you would see uh, things like the death of Superman in the mid nineties uh, being featured on Fox news, right? Like big events, to draw a bunch of people that were kind of familiar with the characters into the stores to buy stuff. Right. And then that all came to a head when uh, there were, there were a whole lot of factors. Part of it was um, Marvel self-publishing. Part of it was just the rampant speculation. Uh, But basically the market crashed uh, and Marvel almost went bankrupt. Actually. I don't think DC was as bad off as Marvel, uh, but Marvel sold off a whole bunch of their characters, film rights in order to, stay afloat. And that's why we ended up with all those Marvel movies in the early and mid two thousands that they didn't make themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. DC, uh, DC was hit kind of hard, but they weren't hit nearly as bad as Marvel. Yeah. And then since then, uh, comics have kind of steadily come to the forefront of our minds with the movies, but the actual sales of the comics have fallen off definitely since like 2010, uh, they just kind of keep going down and down and down, uh, which is, again, interesting considering how popular the characters are. 
Right. And it's it's not just that the characters are popular. Um, it's that comic books are actually really, really, really good now. Not just the art style, which has evolved over the years, but the writing just keeps getting better and better and better. As any art form matures, right, you know, it, it does improve upon itself from before. And now there's tons of great comics. You're actually kind of spoiled for choice, but they're not selling as well. And part of that's probably due to piracy, right? Like piracy mm. impacts the sales of anything, especially the comic book industry where it's really easy to pirate these things because uh, they're just images. So you can share images really easily in many different ways. Yeah. Although the companies are doing some things to try to combat that, which we will talk about in a little bit. But that kind of gives you a brief rundown of the history of comics uh, just to give you that context, like I said. Now, some basic things about comics. Uh, they are released on a specific day normally, uh, just like movies or whatever, which is Wednesday. Typically, you go into the comic book store on Wednesday, and they've got your comics that you're looking for, and you pick those up, and, and you go home. Uh, but there are three, I'd say, three main types of comic book with an extra fourth one that's kind of part of the others, uh, which is... The first one is the main one. It's the ongoing series. This is what you think of whenever you think of comics. These are the ones that have, you know, issues 50, issues 100, issues whatever. Uh, ones that are published continuously and are not planned to end from the start. Is that about a good description? Yeah, these are, these are the comics where you will see them month to month. And you'll also see different creative teams come in. And take over them as time goes on. Yeah, and sometimes it's more often or less often than once a month. But once a month is the standard uh, time frame to get those. And then you also have a limited series, which are also called mini-series. Uh, these are the ones that, from when they start to publish them, they know it's only going to last X number of issues. Uh, the longest mini-series I have ever seen was 12 issues. That's fair. Yeah, 12 issues, uh, sometimes 13 it depends on if if you know it's going to be uh, uh, limited, because I know that The Wicked and the Divine, which I'll talk about later, their their definition of the series is 60 issues, and they're going to stop there. But that's it's still an ongoing thing, because it's been going on for a while, right? Yeah. So, mini, uh, it's, it's kind of... If it's released with an end in sight, and it can all be kind of contained together in one big book, that's a mini-series. I think most miniseries are between three and six issues, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three to six is a really, really good range. Twelve is definitely the high end. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you also have one-shots, uh, which are comic books that are completely self-contained in that single issue. Uh, these can be anything. Sometimes they're stories that are set like, a, oh, what if this happened instead of this other thing? Uh, sometimes they're just random stories, uh, but you know that when you buy that, you're going to get a start, middle, and end to the story in that one issue. Right, and you'll see these in various different forms. You'll see them like as graphic novels as this is one story, or you'll see them as uh, annuals, which come out once a year, and it's a bigger book than normal, and it might have some tie-in or some closure to other storylines, but it's still its own thing separate from the ongoing series. Yeah, and so those are like the three main types. 
And then there is a fourth type, uh, which is the graphic novels, uh, which usually are where they've taken a storyline from an ongoing series and they've put them together uh, into one book. That's called a collected edition because you've collected multiple issues into one book. But they do also release graphic novels uh, as just the graphic novel and they're not published as single issues. That's more rare, uh, but I think DC does that more than Marvel does. Yeah, DC has um, some interesting creator-owned lines that, or creator-focused lines that will allow people to produce just giant graphic novels for the sake of it. Um, but uh, if if a, if it's its own thing, it's a graphic novel. If it's a collection of issues, it's kind of called a trade, colloquially. Yeah, um, trade paperback. Right. Um, and so, like, there there are things that kind of like straddle that line like like watchman is kind of both technically it's both because it was it was released in 12 individual issues but collected and sold in a graphic novel right and which is the typical form yeah that's the typical form you you see it in uh usually if you're looking for an old story those are the ones that are going to be collected into those graphic novel collected editions whatever you want to call them uh although marvel actually in the past few years has started doing recent ones as well uh, which is actually really handy to be able to go in and, and get all of them at once for like usually 20 bucks or so, 16 to 20 bucks, unless it's really big. Um, instead of having to go find all four or five issues separately. But we've been talking about Marvel and DC, but they're not the only comic companies. Uh, they are the two biggest. So they're the ones that come to the forefront, sort of like Coke versus Pepsi. Uh, Apple versus Microsoft. You know, they're the ones everybody thinks about. But there are several others uh, some of which are Dark Horse, Boom Studios, IDW, uh, Image Comics, Valiant Comics, uh, and there's, oh goodness, many, many more smaller ones. Yeah, and so these are independent publishing houses. They all kind of started with similar but slightly different goals of creating a label where the artist gets a lot of control over their intellectual property. Working at DC or Marvel, whatever you produce can be used by them later, even after you leave. Uh, yeah, they these... own whatever you create while you're there. Right, exactly. So that's why you'll see Superman still going on, even though Siegel and Schuster have been dead for decades. But these little, uh, I say little, I guess comparatively they're, they're little. These independent publishing houses, creators will start and produce a series, and if it sells well enough, it keeps going until they're done. If it doesn't, then they kind of get dropped and move on to something else. Uh, so that's kind of something you have to watch out for when you purchase stuff from these, but I would kind of argue that you get some of the best things that comics are producing these days from the independent studios. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, we were actually going to talk about Marvel and DC a bit more in depth here. I think we're going to actually save that until the end uh, or a little bit later, I think it'll fit better. Uh, but do you read any of these other smaller companies? I do. Um, so they don't really have like a shared universe like the others do. Sometimes their properties will cross over. I know, I think it's IDW has both Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they'll occasionally... And G.I. Like, Joe. And G.I. Joe, and I think Power Rangers now. Uh, no, uh, Power Rangers now is done by Boom Studios. Okay, gotcha. 
Um, and so they'll like they'll occasionally cross over for big events. Uh, but other than that, it's just kind of independent, creator-owned, or property-licensed comic book lines. Like, Dark Horse is really big on uh, TV show comics. So they're the ones that produce the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly comics, um, and a couple of other TV properties. Image is very much random creator focused stuff mm-hmm. uh, you'll find a lot of great writers go over to image to produce their own things uh the wicked and the divine is one i'll talk about later that's done by image um valiant i'm not too familiar with uh there's another one called titan that i think i'm convinced only produces doctor who comics and i don't think they've ever produced anything else <laughs> i can look them up titan, yeah yeah go titan for it. comics yeah it's it's titan comics not the comic book shop in marietta um, right, but yeah, so uh, that's that's how hyper specific some of these things can be. But they all they're just as important, if not more important, for the health of the industry as DC and Marvel are. Yeah, and I think they've got a lot of strengths that uh, Marvel and DC don't. That people kind of look over, especially if they're not super into the comic uh, scene. Personally, I haven't really read much from these, kind of just because I'm falling behind in comics in general these days. Uh, It's a lot to keep up with. But one of the things that are really nice about the smaller companies are that uh, they are creator-focused, so that means the creator can tell whatever story they want, which means it can be kind of weird and out there, Uh, whereas you typically don't get that kind of thing from a Marvel or a DC. Marvel and DC typically have a status quo, and while they might shake it up here or there, it typically stays the same. Right. And also one of the problems with DC and Marvel is if you come up with a great storyline for a character that you've created, they might kind of take that and say, yes, do this, but with Spider-Man. And so now you're kind of diluting your original idea and kind of being forced to work with that. But, I mean, you're still getting paid, mm-hmm. which is important. But it, it kind of ruins the the pure artistic intent sometimes right so going back to titan for a second uh they do all kinds of random stuff uh they've got an amazing world of gumball book uh newberry and Hobbes, doctor who of course the raid bloodborne based off the video game assassin's creed based off the video game they did tank girl apparently which i didn't know oh really interesting Uh, they've got a Rick and Morty. So it looks like they do a lot of uh, adaptions of TV shows as well. And and I guess video gotcha. games too. Right. I'm yeah. going to have to pick up that Bloodborne comic. Yeah, it's it's ongoing. Let's see. This is issue number... Oh, this says volume one. So maybe it's a collected edition. Ooh, even better. On sale two days from now. Wednesday. Perfect. Collected issues. Yeah, issues one through four. Graphic novel. There you go. Um, so like you'll get a lot of different things. Um, Marvel has, like you mentioned, Marvel and DC both have that shared universe where their characters all live in the same thing. So you'll get quite often, uh, something called a company crossover where they will take tons of their characters and in one series, pull them all together for a massive story. Uh, these are things like secret wars. If you've heard of that. Or Civil War, uh, Captain America Civil War, 
the reason it felt like an Avengers movie is because in the comics, it, it wasn't a Captain America story necessarily. It was a story about the entire Marvel Universe. Uh, and so they, they put that in a Captain America movie. But you get those a lot. Marvel does them far too often, if you ask me. Uh, DC does them a lot too, although I'm not sure how often. Not not once a year like Marvel does. I think Marvel's gotten up to like twice a year. Yeah, some sometimes they'll do twice. Sometimes they'll even do three times a year. It's it's a bit much. Uh, but you don't have those in, in the smaller publishing houses. Uh, and... I, I think that a lot of comic book readers these days are actually gravitating towards those smaller publishing houses because it's more unique. It's sort of like uh, art house films or indie films versus mainstream films. You know, like there's a very distinct difference between them. Uh, and that's sort of what you have here. And people are kind of getting tired. Not everyone, but a lot of people are getting tired of Marvel and DC. And they're they're going to those smaller ones for those more personal stories, those more new creative stories. Right. And one of the other problems that you kind of have with the big two publishers is there's a lot of baggage to these characters. There are a lot of references. There are other characters showing up that you don't know about that they may not like really introduce. They just kind of expect you to know who they are. And that can be kind of off-putting to somebody that doesn't really know where to start. Yeah, they used to do um, these little bubbles that would explain things to you. Sometimes they still do that. Uh, at least Marvel does. I, if you can't tell, I read primarily Marvel stuff. Uh, I hardly ever read DC stuff. Uh, and so it's that would help, but it's still kind of a hassle to, to have to go through and understand all those. Uh, they did a storyline a couple years ago called Infinity. Uh, it was about Thanos, sort of, kind of. Uh, and the first page was just a massive list of people and what they look like and their names. I only knew, like, maybe 10 out of the 30 people on there. And that really put me off. Even as a comic book reader, uh, it was hard to keep track of them because at that point, like I didn't know who the Inhumans was, were because this was 2013, I think is when that was published. And so I didn't really know cosmic stuff and it was mostly cosmic. And so if I can have an issue with that, new readers can definitely have an issue with that. DC's kind of the same way sometimes. I mean, their character, their roster is smaller but it still happens. On the flip side of that, it is really rewarding if you do know these characters, because what will happen is in Batman's comic, for some reason, the Martian Manhunter may show up or whatever, or this happens a lot in Spider-Man, somebody else will show up. Like, he'll run into the Fantastic Four for an issue. Yep. Uh, and those can be kind of rewarding and fun, and you don't get those at the, at the smaller publishers, but you know it's, it's kind of a trade-off. Yeah, and, you know, like, if you love a specific character, like, I love Spider-Man, he's always going to be there. Whereas if you love something from Image, that storyline might end, and it might be a really great ending, but it's ended, and you're not going to get any more of it. So, uh, different things for different people. Uh, kind of look at it and, and take your pick. Uh, but, for all of these, there are many different ways that you can read these stories. Uh, and... I think we've got a couple different. Um, one thing that you can do, which is what I personally do, is uh, pick a character and pretty much read all of their stuff. Now, that's a good thing and a bad thing because you can read some really great stuff. You can also read some really not great stuff, uh, but you're following the character that you love. And so I do that with, with Spider-Man. Uh, or you can follow like a specific property like Star Wars. Uh, you can read all the Star Wars stuff. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, picking a character or picking a property does kind of come with some baggage. But with the internet, you can kind of catch up on that really quickly. It kind of sucks to do external research when you're trying to read something for a pleasure. But it's only it, it only takes a minute to get you caught back up. Uh, the other things that you can do... Um, I kind of like to go in every once in a while and ask the person at the counter, Hey, what are you reading? What do you, what do you see people picking up? One of the things about people that work in comic book shops is they're not there for the money. Uh, they're, they're there because they love the hobby. So they will be more than happy to tell you what is good, what's coming up that looks pretty good to them. And that's one of the best resources and also kind of like helps you gauge whether or not you want to come back to that store. If the person up front is really friendly and Mm -hmm. uh, really helpful and really excited about getting a new person into this because they, they absolutely should be. Right. And I know a lot of people that do that. They just read what they hear is currently good because while the smaller companies usually keep their creators for specific books, Marvel and DC switch their writers and their artists constantly. Uh, and so the quality of one book can be really good and then suddenly drop off and another completely different book can get really, really good. Uh, and so some people just follow that because they only want to read good stories, which is a perfectly fine way to do it. Um, and still other people just kind of are casual and they go in and they look at the covers and they say, oh, well, that looks cool. I'm going to buy that issue and read that comic. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Although a lot of times you'll come in midway through a story and you won't get a resolution so you kind of have to deal with that, but you could do it. Yeah, and that's where the the external research thing comes in, right? Um, kind of jumping off of that, once you do find something you like, whether it's a character, or an artist, or a writer, if you're not sure where to go from there, find other stuff that that thing is involved with, right? So if you really like Kieran Gillen, like there was a point where he was working for Marvel doing... Journey into Mystery, uh, which was the Loki book at the time, and Darth Vader. Like, he was doing their Darth Vader comics, and he was writing Wicked and the Divine. So, like, these artists are not necessarily just putting out one book at a time. They're doing a bunch of stuff, and you can kind of use that as a jumping-on point to find other things that are similar to what you already like. Mm -hmm. If you read comics long enough, you will start to find creators that you like. Uh, I have artists that I like seeing more than others, uh, and I have gone and looked at other stuff that they have done. Uh, I don't know if I've actually ever bought one. I feel like I have, uh, but I, I, I can't remember right now, so it's probably not a good example. But uh, a lot of people will do that. Yeah, I'm I'm a big author guy, so I'll go off and I'll find whatever Neil Gaiman has written recently, and or um, I'm suddenly blanking on all of the author names that I know, uh, but uh, Brian, Brian K. Vaughn, like I'll, I'll stop and I'll take a look at what he's written and see, see what's coming up, what they've been doing recently and mm-hmm. maybe pick something up. Yeah. And you know, uh, you gotta, again, pick what you think will work best for you. And I think you kind of have to experiment with this to try it. Uh, just go in, ask the people what they think, and you can pick that up as your first one. And if you loved it, maybe you'll stick with it. And if you didn't, maybe you'll hop around. But you'll find something that you'll like to read. Uh, I think comics, a big misconception is comics are comics. And if you 
you'll like them or you won't like them. And that's just not true. It's just like movies or TV shows, uh, right? It's There's different genres. We, we said that the dating and the horror and, and the comedies were kind of back in the past, but they're still around. You can go find a comedy book. You can go find a book that's about dating. You can find action books. There's all kinds. You just have to go look. Uh, the ones that aren't action-oriented are probably going to be from those smaller publishers, but as we've said, they've got some really great strengths. So dive in. Uh, and see what you can find. So where, hey Caleb, where do you find these books? Oh man, so you can find comic books all over actually now. I think, uh, aside from maybe the late 90s where they were in malls and stuff, uh, they're almost as accessible as they've ever been. uh, Because, yeah, you can go down to your local comic book store and buy these, but you can also buy them at bookstores. Uh, Like here in the US, I know Barnes & Noble and Books A Million both carry a good selection of comic books, actually, usually just from Marvel and DC. Uh, but still, they have several to choose from. I think I've seen maybe some Walmarts carry a couple back towards the the uh, toy sections. Um, used bookstores oftentimes have massive amounts of comics that they buy from people. And that's actually a really great place to start, too, because they're cheap. Uh, there's a store uh, fairly close to me in Atlanta called Second and Charles, which is owned by Books A Million, actually. Uh, and they've got like $1 comic bins, and you can go in and, and buy comics for a dollar. Uh, and similarly, antique malls a lot of times have comics. It's a little less uh, likely to find them there, but I've seen them very, very many times. Uh, and then, of course, you can always order them off the internet, although I have found that doing that after the book comes out is fairly pricey. Yeah, you usually kind of want to wait for trades if you're ordering things online. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of also a lot of the places that you mentioned are going to have trades, especially like the bigger stores, uh, antique malls, used bookstores, flea markets. Those places probably will have a lot of single issues. Mm-hmm. The other ones are, are definitely going to have trades, except your comic book stores mostly deal in single issues. They have trades too, but their their main draw is getting all of your single issues in one place for kind of cheap. And I mean, like these things usually run you like $3 an issue, right? Brand new three to three to five. If it's something special. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point. Uh, Marvel comics across the board, unless it's big, they're $4 uh, or well, they do have some smaller ones that they only do three. DC has historically been three, although didn't they just raise it a couple months ago? I I think they they were talking about it. They may have gone past two ninety nine for the first time in like two decades. Yeah, I know they um, were really solid about not moving their price point. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what they're at anymore. Um, the when it comes to the smaller ones, that kind of varies because a lot more of the the percentage of that goes to the creators. So the publishing house wants to charge more so that they get a similar amount of. Uh, basically production fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so those might, you might be paying a slight premium for those, but we're talking dollars and cents here. Not, it's not like one issue is going to cost you 10 bucks. If it's costing you 10 bucks, you're usually getting a trade. Yeah. The most expensive comic I can think of that I've bought brand new, like it just came out, uh, would have been like a Spider-Man 700, which was $8 at the time. And it was over a hundred pages full color. So, you know, it's, it's worth it. They're not super expensive. Um, and the other place to buy, which I kind of left off our list, which is kind of funny is 
the way that used to be the main way, uh, which is mail in order. <laughs> you can uh, you can oh. sign up with these companies and they will mail you the issues directly to your house. I didn't actually. I actually didn't know that they still did that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I didn't know either until uh, a few months ago. I was on Marvel's website, and they Marvel totally doesn't. I mean, DC might not. Uh, I don't. I, I'd be really curious how many they sell, and also the condition they come in. Uh, collectors are really uptight about the condition, and usually you can get a pretty decent one at a store. But when it's mailed to you, I would be concerned. Yeah. Well, one of the big things. This is really niche, is that if you get into collecting, stores have variant covers. Basically just different arts for the comic. Um, and but so just a lot the of cover. people Just the cover. Yeah, everything else inside is normal. Occasionally they'll do like a black and white print or whatever, but that's only if you're getting into collecting. And that uh, the store is usually, your, your local comic book shop is usually the only place you can get something like that. Right. Uh, and also, if you are getting into collecting... Uh, people start buying a lot of comics and they're like, oh, great, what do I do with these? Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with them. You can put them on a shelf. You can throw them away if you just don't want them anymore, although that would be sad. Uh, but what most collectors do is they buy things called bag and board. Bag is like this, think of a Ziploc bag without the zipper, but it's really big, right? It's like a gallon-sized bag uh, that the comic can slide into. And then a board is just a piece of cardboard that you slide in that bag as well to keep it kind of rigid. Uh, and so it protects the comic, uh, and you can put it anywhere. And then a lot of people take those and they put them in these comic boxes they make specifically. They're just cardboard boxes, but they're shaped to fit comic books. That's what I store mine in. Um, but I mean, there's many ways I've seen people put them in, um, uh, filing cabinets. Yeah. I just have mine on a shelf. Yeah. I have a lot of singles, like 1500 issues, single issues. So, okay. Uh, that's an order of magnitude more than I do. I think I'm top. I, I top out at like 150 or so. Yeah. So I usually get trades. Putting them on a shelf would be problematic for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah. again, you know, that's kind of getting into more of the collector's sphere. Uh, but that's where you can buy these books physically. But physical is not the only way that you can purchase books anymore. In fact, most places allow you to purchase books digitally. Yeah. Um, D- both DC and Marvel. Uh, in addition to buying digital books that you can download and keep, have subscription services. Well, DC's is launching soon. I think it's launching at like $8 a month, and it also gets you access to their TV shows. Yeah, but the it's, Marvel that's the Unlimited DC Universe one, thing. Yeah, DC Universe is what DC's is called. Marvel Unlimited is Marvel's, and that one's $10 a month. I don't know how updated they are with new issues, but I do know that they have a huge backlog available for so I- anybody. I used to have Marvel Unlimited, so I can actually speak to this. Uh, it's been, it has been like three or four years. Uh, Marvel Unlimited is fantastic. If you are looking to just dip into comics, this is probably the best way uh, because they have a massive selection of old stuff uh, and they're continually adding all the time. And the new books that are put on there are a few months old. I think there's like a three to six months delay between a brand new book and when it comes to unlimited. Uh, Cause of course they want you to go buy the new books, but it's fantastic. Like for Spider-Man for me, amazing Spider-Man is the main book you can read from the first issue all the way through to the current issues, 10 bucks a month. There's no limit on how many you read a month. 
uh, or anything like that, you can download them. So they're great, like if you're gonna get on a plane or something. Uh, I have an iPad that I used to use for a lot of stuff. It is now exclusively my comic book reading iPad. <laughs> That's all I use it for, <laughs> uh, is digital comics. Um, and it's fantastic. Now the DC Universe one, we don't know the scope of that. Uh, from what I've seen, it's not really going to be Marvel Unlimited because Marvel Unlimited is a library that they continually add to. DC Universe sounded like it was going to be more of a rotating selection of books that they put in there. Yeah, from my understanding, I think it's just going to be a selection and they're just going to add to it. I don't know if it's going to rotate. If it rotates, that kind of uh, that that kind of sours me on it. Yeah, but um, the selection is probably going to be really, really, really good, especially starting out. Because they're going to want people to jump in on this, and so they're going to have a lot of great stuff there. Right. Uh, and they do have those subscription models, but you can also just buy single issues through their regular digital services. So, like, Marvel has their own app uh, that you can go in and buy stuff in, and that does have the new issues you can go in and buy. Uh, it's the same price as the physical copy, uh, so you don't get anything beneficial there. Uh most of the other companies go through an app called Comixology, uh, mm -hmm. which has a wide selection of things. Yeah, Comixology has almost anything that you can think of. It does have a selection of Marvel Comics. I didn't really see a selection of DC Comics on there, but they also have manga, um, Archie Comics, a bunch of in indie stuff mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, um, that's kind of the place to go unless like Marvel, where they've pulled most of their stuff off into their own app, uh, that's their own thing. I did mention that the price of physical and digital copies uh, for Marvel are the same. One thing to note is that most of Marvel's uh, physical copies actually come with a code to redeem a digital one as well. And so this is kind of what I do, uh, which is kind of counterintuitive. I buy the physical copy, I redeem the code, and I put the physical copy in a bag and board and never look at it again. Huh. Yeah, Which, I mean, that keeps it in a pristine condition in case you need it graded later. So. Yeah, I've I've considered many times uh, not buying physicals anymore, but my wife is telling me I'm going to regret it, and she's probably right. Huh. She usually is. Yeah. Uh, DC does not do that. Uh, that's one of the biggest differences between the price point for Marvel and DC. Marvel says the extra dollar is so that you get that digital copy. Uh, in DCs, you would have to buy it again if you got the physical. Right, which uh, that does, that is actually really, really bad. DC should get with the times, but it might take them a while to get there. Yeah. All right. Um, any other thing you want to say about where you can read? Um, no, not really. That kind of covers all of the main options. I will... I will make an emphatic plea. Please support your local comic book shop if they're worth it. I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's a local business. Uh, not every local business is the same, right? But a lot of the comic book shops you're going to get to are managed and staffed by people that love to be there because it's what they love to do. It's what they love to talk about. Mm -hmm. And being able to support that is really great for you it's great for the industry uh, it's just good all around yeah the comic book store i buy things from i actually live pretty far from now it's like an hour hour 10 minutes away from my house now because uh, i used to live 
up towards it. But I still go there because I love those guys and they've treated me right. As opposed to there is a comic book store very close to me now, which I will not name. Uh, and they are pretty rude. All their stuff is overpriced. Uh, not a great place to go. And I pretty much refuse to buy anything from them anymore. I mean, I think one time I bought a comic box bag and board and it was like $70, which wow. should, should have cost me like 30 max. Yeah, if that. Wow. Because I bought a, like 150 boards for like six bucks. Yeah, like, it's it's ridiculous. Um, so I, I don't go there. But find the ones that you like and support them. Uh, okay. Yeah. So now what we're going to do is, because Marvel and DC are the two biggest companies, um, Katie kind of asked if we could give, like, what's going on, because she wasn't sure what's going on in the comics uh, right now, because it is such a complicated history. And so we're going to kind of go through a brief history and kind of the main areas that uh, of, of, like, publishing times. And if we know what's going on currently, talk about what's going on currently. So... Uh, I think I'll start with Marvel. Um, Marvel, I think their history is much simpler than DC's. Um, Marvel, for the most part, you had the Avengers back in the 60s. They pretty much published everything up to the 90s, and it was just a continuous run of continuity, right? Right. Yeah, more or less. Um, it wasn't it, until the it late... Gets, I was going to say, it kind of gets fudged because they like to do they like to use real events as a reference point but it's all more or less uh continuous yeah they they use something called a sliding time scale i'm not going to get into it but it just means that time is relative um but in the late 90s they tried to do a story called heroes reborn and this was their first attempt to kind of reboot the universe uh where basically a bunch of the heroes jumped into a pocket universe which is just a different universe uh and they were going to start from scratch there. That did not end up working out. And so they pretty much immediately pulled those characters back out into the main Marvel universe. Uh, and so, again, you've just got this start to finish continuity. It's really not that complicated. Uh, up until then, you didn't really have too many big, uh, complicated story arcs. Uh, you didn't really have too many life-changing things happening in comics. Uh, I think Spider-Man was probably the character that changed the most in that amount of time, having grown up and then gotten married. Um, but around 2006 is where things kind of started to change for Marvel, and they started getting a lot more complicated. Uh, this is where they started doing those company crossovers I talked about earlier, uh, which complicate things because what they like to do with these is they have a main book for the events, and it also ties into a whole bunch of other books, and it changes things across the board. Uh, and this first really big one, it's not the first one they did, but the first big one was Civil War, uh, which is what got adapted into Captain America Civil War, uh, which kind of started kicking off that idea of events every single year. Uh, and yeah, that, and the the reason it kind of kicked off is because Civil War was massively successful. Not only did it sell well, but it impacted every single book that was being published at the time and some that weren't anymore. Like they produced some individual issues. Mm -hmm. uh, of older comic books or older characters just for Civil War. Yeah. Um, but they, as companies often do, they took that and read the wrong thing from it, which was, let's do this all the time. 
Uh, and so that story kind of spun into other various stories throughout the years. Uh, it kind of went into World War Hulk, which went into Secret Invasion, which went into Siege, uh, which are various events that happened throughout the next mm, five years or so, uh, which affected all of the universe, right? Like World War Hulk, they sent Hulk off to a different planet. We kind of got a taste of that in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, that's kind of what inspired Hulk being on the planet and being in the Colosseum. Uh, secret Invasion is where an alien invasion happened, but it was secret. <laughs> Hence Secret Invasion. Uh, <laughs> and they replaced... Well put. Thank you. <laughs> they replaced various characters in the Avengers. That was really good. And then Siege, I, I kind of don't really know what that's about. I know that leads into the Dark Avengers and all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. stuff. That's where things get crazy, all right? Then they calm down a little bit. Then uh, they kind of brought those those events back. Uh, and they did something called Original Sin, which is where they tried to change characters, uh, change, change their origins. Uh, and this is also kind of around the time that they started bringing in new versions of characters. So what Marvel has done in the past few years is taken uh, a very popular character, for example, let's say Captain America, and... There is still Captain America, but is no longer Steve Rogers, right? Uh, there's been various Captain Americas. Bucky was Captain America at one point. Uh, the Falcon was Captain America. But they've done this for lots of their characters. Thor, Hulk, kind of Spider-Man, um, mm-hmm. Captain America, you know, all of the big ones you can think of. Um, and this is where a lot of people kind of start having issues with Marvel. Uh, and then... They did a little story called Secret Wars in 2015. Do not get this confused with the original Secret Wars, which was in the 90s? Late 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Um, completely different story. This is where, again, they rebooted their universe. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but there is basically a new world created with all of your characters. But things are dramatically different. Uh, for example, Spider-Man now owns a company. Like a big one, like Tony Stark level company, uh, it's it's global, uh, and that ran for a couple years, uh, and people again had issues with it, and so they were like, you know what, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna follow that. We're gonna do this thing called Marvel Legacy, uh, which technically was not a reboot, but it was a relaunch. Uh, and these two terms people use interchangeably, but they mean two very different things. Comics relaunch very often, in Marvel's case. Relaunch just means they start Mm -hmm. over with issue number one. Just because you start with issue number one does not mean that everything else didn't happen. It's quite the contrary. Normally, everything else did happen, but they use that number one as a good jumping on point. Yeah, they they often use that number one issue as a way to take it into a different creative direction. Mm -hmm. It's not often that you'll see the same team uh, stay after a relaunch. Sometimes it happens, but it's not, it's not often. Right. Um, except Marvel because they do it far too often. But anyway, um, so it was, it's relaunched and they were trying to bring it back to the roots of the stuff we love, you know, get rid of those new characters that are in, uh, the, the person that's Thor, get rid of them, put, uh, Bruce Banner back as Hulk, things like that, you know, put it back to the status quo, which we talked about earlier. They love to go back to status quo. Um, and then again, like a year later, they decided, nope, that's not good enough. We're going to do something called a fresh start, uh, and basically do what I thought they were already trying to do with Marvel Legacy. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, that was very complicated, and I don't know what he just said, and I don't either. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, it's actually, this is the simplified version. Um, Marvel has kind of gotten out of hand with these crossover events. One of the bigger problems is that they reference themselves. So you kind of get punished for coming in mid-year. Um, one of the big ones, Avengers vs. X-Men a couple of years ago. Uh, it particularly references House of M, which was a big crossover six years before that. And if you hadn't read House of M, Avengers vs. X-Men isn't as impactful for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of tough to come in uh, with Marvel and all of these changes uh, and all of these big crossover events. Yeah. But it's still possible. You'll still jump in, find something you like. And ideally, for ideally, the company wants what they're producing now to be good enough that you'll go buy, you'll go back and buy the older stuff too. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that I, I think there's hope because Marvel got a new uh, chief creative officer, I think was the position last year, I think. Uh, it's not Casada anymore? No, I don't think so. I think he stepped down. They've got a new guy in charge. Um, okay. It could be a new lead editor. I, I could have the position wrong. But if you Google it, you'll find it. There was all kinds of stuff going on with it. Um, and so I'm hoping that they'll kind of mellow out a bit um, because it, it's confusing to come in and keep track of. Uh, so as for what's currently happening in a fresh start, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm behind. Um, if you're going to try to start and you want to start like recent comics right after Secret Wars... Those books that they started is probably not a bad spot uh, because it's everything's new. But know that a lot of it's going to be changing, so don't get too attached to it. Yeah, no, that that's probably a pretty pretty reasonable jumping on point. I mean, a fresh start also sounds like a pretty reasonable jumping on point. I don't know what's going on with it, but it's called a fresh start, so who knows? Yeah, but they also had Marvel Now and then New Marvel Now and... Mm, yeah that was years ago that's true i don't know yeah no marvel does this a lot you kind of you kind of get used to it if you're if you're a marvel fan so that's marvel um uh, so dc is a bit different uh they're kind of a bit slower uh than marvel is when it comes to these big crossover events so their history is a lot easier to follow also Mar uh, DC's character roster is a lot smaller than Marvel's, and I think that's by design. Uh, we can that's a whole other podcast topic one day. Mm. But um, basically, for in the in the beginning, uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, like these characters weren't really connected until the '60s when Justice League started, and they actually kind of like went back and retconned them which is a it's a term of like going back in time and messing with things in the present day um by telling a story that was set back then that the creator the original creators didn't have in mind at the time uh with the um oh no uh the justice <laughs> society that's who it was yeah so the justice society comics like those were made in the 70s about the golden age comic book heroes that didn't team up at the time but they wanted another justice league type line and so you kind of see this a lot in DC where smaller groups of heroes get together every once in a while, but it's not a huge company-wide crossover. And one of the reasons this happens is because DC has multiple Earths, uh, just bas basically parallel universes, um, which isn't a 
strange concept these days, but it kind of was back in the day. So eventually they got to a point where there were too many of these parallel Earths and too many different versions of their characters were getting comic books. So what they did was they started a year-long crossover called Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985. This hit every single book that was going on at the time, and it consolidated their universe into one mainline universe. It took a while for the books to catch up, so the his- so like the actual continuity is a little muddied. But uh, that event itself kind of set the stage for the next, mm, I want to say, 20 years of DC comic books. Yeah, I think that's right. So after that, um, I want to say, I think it's almost exactly right, because in 2000. 2004, uh, they did, um, oh no, it's, it's just called 52 and Final Crisis. The new 52, uh, which, right? Well, mm, the new 52 is later, so. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason it's called the new 52 is because of this original comic line, 52, um, which kind of 52 and Final Crisis were kind of a sequel and brought back in a bunch of the parallel universes. And that lasted for a little while, and it was really only about five more years. when they are like, okay, we want to reconsolidate and kind of do this a uh, new way. And so they did the New 52, which is mostly a mainline universe, which a couple, with a couple of books specifically being produced in their own continuity. Or in their in their own Earth, New Fifty Two re- almost entirely rebooted uh, DC's continuity. Uh, Superman's parents had, sorry, uh, Martha and Clark Kent uh, were in a very different position than they were uh, before. I guess I can kind of spoil it. it. They they were dead in New Fifty Two, and um, they weren't before, like. You could like so you would see Superman inter- interacting with his parents. Um, things like that uh, were changed, some for the better, some for the worse. But New Fifty Two is a great, great uh, starting point. It's a great place to jump in and start reading stuff. Uh, a lot of their gr- their best lines in the past couple of years came out of that, including. Uh, Justice League Origins, which was turned into uh, a movie, Justice League War, an animated movie, which is really, really good. Um, after a couple of years, I think it was actually this past year, 2017, 2016, um, they came out with Rebirth. So DC Rebirth is a relaunch, not a reboot. So they kind of changed the numbering and they shifted a couple of things around, but it's not as big as the new 52 was it keeps the same continuity more or less uh but it's it's not as uh it wasn't it wasn't as impactive as the new 52 was but it's still a pretty good jumping on point so that's kind of where they're at now they've dropped the re the rebirth branding it's just dc comics period um so there's not a cool little label on him anymore but this is the continuity that we have, and this is the continuity that they're sticking continuity that they're sticking with for his, for the foreseeable future. Hmm. Okay, so that's a really good uh, starting point. As for what's going on in the DC universe, 
that is something I can't quite answer because a lot of the crossover events are only within specific books. Like one of the one of the main things that happens every year or every couple of years is there's a Batman family crossover, basically. So any comic book that is being produced that is related to Batman will have one overarching story, or any comic book related to Superman will have one overarching story um, over a couple of months, and that's it. So those things happen all the time in DC, and they they're not as impact or they're not as awful. I say awful, but they're not as like hard to follow as Marvels are because you're mm-hmm. only picking up a couple of books at a time, as opposed to Marvel, where you kind of have to pick up the main book and the book that is uh, and your current book, right? And how impactful so. are those to like? the regular canon too. Cause that's one of the issues with Marvel's is it's, you have to kind of know what happened in that to know what's going on in just a character's book later on. Gotcha. Yeah. So those, a lot, any, any of those events stay, but DC is actually really, really good about referencing those and putting in flashbacks um, or having them reminded through dialogue. And that's something that comes up a lot. So it's not, too bad and again this is another one of those places where if you're not sure what happened in um uh oh no uh <laughs> night night of the owls or whatever i think that was the first the first batman crossover in the new 52 if you're not sure what happened you can just wiki it i mean like buy the book if it interests you but you can just go to wikipedia get caught up in a minute and then jump back to your copy. is it court of owls Court of Owls. That's what it is. Yep. There we go. Look at me coming through with the DC. Yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's that. Um, a big reason that you see these companies kind of start to do more relaunches and stuff recently is because those sales are declining so much and they're trying to make it easy for new people to come in. But I think what they've actually done, at least in Marvel's case, is made it more complicated. Uh, I know DC, didn't they also have another thing besides Rebirth uh, that was pretty close to Rebirth? Um, I remember probably. looking into just it. Yeah, let me, um, let me do some quick Google foo here real quick. Just a second. All right, so he's going to go off and look at that. Um, so, guys, uh, even though that we're kind of saying comics are complicated, uh, go check them out. I mean... What do you have to lose? Especially if you do the digital subscription services like Marvel's, which is 10 bucks a month. It's 10 bucks. You've got 30 days. Uh, you can look through. And if you don't see anything you like, then move on. Right. Yeah, that's definitely something that you should do. Uh, whether or not you think you're going to like Marvel stuff. One of the big one of the great things about comics is there's something for everybody, especially in Marvel and DC. You're going to find something that you like um regarding your question i think it was the relaunch of the vertigo line um with or around the time of rebirth so uh Vert- or dc's vertigo line um and marvel had this too in the 90s but it didn't really stick around they had it in the 2000s um, as well did they have marvel max yep. or whatever in, in the 2000s yep. oh, okay cool um well okay so 
Within bigger comic book companies are what are called imprints. And so these imprints kind of function as indie comic book houses within the bigger companies. So DCs in particular, uh, it let people come in and tell really mature stories that you wouldn't normally see in a Superman comic book. Uh Marvel Max did the same thing, but they allowed that to happen with their characters. So I know like the Punisher had a really big mm-hmm. line in Marvel Max. Um, and it, on a more like lighter note, there's also, um, what is it? Marvel, uh, Marvel Ultimate, Knights, the Ultimates Universe. Um, cause that, cause it, it, Ultimates Universe was an imprint and that was just kind of like a completely contained, Marvel Universe starting in two, the early 2000s at issue one for all of the characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. It, was, it, it was launched with Spider-Man. Spider-Man was the first one. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis' Spider, Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That takes me back. That's that's a good book. Man, If you even if you don't think you like Spider-Man, you'll like that. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis is it's as, very good. Yeah, he's he's a really good, uh, good character uh, emotional writer. So he has a lot of really human emotional notes and uh, it's a good book and mark bagley's ultimate universe is, is fantastic in that he, yes that's true too uh it's it's a good book go back go go find it um but uh so i wanted to lay the groundwork for uh vertigo because i'm going to be talking about it a lot in our next section uh which I don't know if you want to get to it now, but I don't really have a lot to say about anything else right now. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I had something I wanted to say, and now I don't remember what it was. So it must have not been too terribly important. Uh, but yeah, that was that, and this is this. It's time for what you've been up to. Oh, uh, no, that's too early. No. Oh. I was just going to talk about some particular books to recommend. Um. Dang Just it, Chris, super, you led me to believe it was quick. time. It's not time. It's it's never time. I'm never done talking. You should know that by now. Um, I'm going to go through this really, really quickly. I want to give you guys a really cool starting off point. These are the things that um, either got me into comics or uh, would get me into comics now. Uh, the first big one is called Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. Scott McCloud, you may recognize his art. Um, from a couple of newspaper comic book strips in the funny section. He wrote a book in comic book form uh, that talks about the history of comics and how the art form works. It is fantastic. If you're unsure, if you'll like, if you, if you understand the format or understand what exactly comics can do for you, pick up understanding comics, give it a read. It'll be a couple of hours and you'll come out excited to pick up anything any comic book and read it. Um, the other thing uh, I'm going to talk about three books here. And the main factor between these three books is I know one of these, or I know a comic book is good. If I can lend out the first trade paperback of something and I never get it back because that person lent it out to somebody else. <laughs> and like that's that's how you know these things are really really good and there are three books in particular that this has happened to me with and i've bought these three trade paperbacks at least four times each so 
Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, it was un- published under DC's Vertigo imprint in the late 90s, early 2000s. One day, this kid named York uh, wakes up, and it turns out him and his monkey are the only la- are the only men on Earth. Somehow, overnight, all of the men disappeared or died, and no one knows why. And so, it's about the societal collapse, or uh, how and how the remaining women, which is all of them, are dealing with it, and him trying to survive as the only guy. Um, it's not like, and this is not like a harem comic. He's not having a bunch of relationships. It's actually like a really interesting post-apocalyptic ish, uh, comic book. So I've never gotten that one back. Um, (laughs) the, the other one that I've never gotten back and I actually like, I gave it out knowing I would never get it back because I think I actually stole my first copy of this from somebody else was, right uh was sandman by neil gaiman you may recognize neil gaiman as uh, an author um he wrote the book that the movie Coraline was based on i think he wrote the script for that too uh he writes all sorts of stuff sandman is a comic that follows the god of dreams and it is like a meta comic of stories what stories can do how stories impact us how we influence stories and it's absolutely fantastic. It ran for 80 issues, and uh, it's great. It's actually one of those trades that the price never goes down on. It's always 20 bucks because people are always buying this book. It's absolutely phenomenal. The first one's kind of uh, a bit grimdark. Like a, there's a bit of gore in there, but once you get past that and get into, in particular, the third volume where it's like a short story collection where each individual issue is its own short story. Um, that's really where the series starts to shine. Um, so definitely check that one out. Uh, the last one I want to talk about is the wicked and the divine. I mentioned it earlier because it's the only ongoing, one of the only ongoing comics that I'm reading. It's written by Kieran Gillen art by Jamie McKelvey. Every 90 years, 12 gods are reincarnated in the bodies of teenagers and each of those teenagers will die within two years of becoming a god. Oh yeah. It's um, it's this really cool, interesting look at what modern technology does when interacting with or uh, modern society does when interacting with literal, actual gods, like powerful deities. Um, that are trapped in teenage bodies, which is fascinating. Um, it's really, really cool, really unique. The first trade is maybe $7. Definitely go find this book. Uh, if that premise sounded interesting to you at all, I can kind of swing it a little bit to tell you that it's not as, everything is not as it seems. The gods may not necessarily die at exactly two years. There might be something that is causing them to die. Why they exist is talk, is kind of like theorized about. And every time the gods come back, every 90 years, they're different types of celebrities. And they do explore this, um, in the, in the comic book. But right now, they're all kind of like pop stars and rock stars whenever they come 
And that's what their powers are kind of based on. And it's really, really, really cool. Uh, so definitely check that one out. And that's it. And I'm done, I'm done rambling now. But those three books, Why the Last Man, Sandman, and The Wicked and the Divine are 100% worth reading. And I, I cannot recommend them highly enough. Wow. Those sound really good. Um, as far as recommendations from me, I pretty much just read Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, for the most part. So my recommendations are, are kind of hard to give. Uh, Chris said earlier, Ultimate Spider-Man. He's completely right. It's phenomenal. It's got a good start. It's got a good end. Uh, that works great. Superior Spider-Man from a few years back, um, is where Dr. Octopus takes over Spider-Man's body and he's in that body. And that ran for about 30 issues, I think. It doesn't sound great, but it is phenomenal it is there was a lot of backlash when it happened but people really like it now um aside from that i don't i don't know if i can recommend anything civil war is great but it probably has some baggage with it secret wars in 2015 is also really good but it has a lot of baggage and it's very confusing Mm -hmm. so i would not recommend that for new people yeah and you can you can actually you can google lists and you'll find top 10 x comic books um those are definitely really 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 good places to start you'll find watchmen is usually the number one on all of those i love watchmen i would not recommend starting with it because it is one heck of a read Um, it's a really rewarding read but it's really really long really in depth uh, and it's kind of like a deconstruction of superheroes and so it's it's better to come back to that later when you're more familiar with comics. I actually, I, by, by the way, uh, most of the books that Chris is recommending are very mature books. He kind of mentioned that, but just to put that out there again. Um, yeah, not not for kids. <laughs> yeah, sev- several of them have nudity and, and stuff. Um, actually, I, I do have another recommendation. Um, it's probably long for a start, but the character is very accessible. Uh, and that is Batman The Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, that's a good one. It's a really thick book, and it will take you a while to get through, but it's really good. Uh, if you want a short one, uh, Batman The Killing Joke is is very short. You could finish it in 30 minutes probably, uh, and that's, that's really good as well. Yeah, um, The Killing Joke is written by Alan Moore, who is a fantastic comic book writer. Uh, Weird guy, but a, a lot of his ideas are really, really creative, really unique. And he is one of, he's the first wave of what I like to call the British invasion of comics, which is something that we can definitely, we could, I could make an episode on mm. uh, if I was allowed to just sit here and ramble. <laughs> um, but he, he does a lot of great stuff. Neil Gaiman does a lot of great stuff. Um, I, I kind of want to recommend a mainline DC thing. Um, Jeff Johns, whenever he kind of, relaunches a character it's usually a really really great jumping on point in particular green lantern rebirth comes with some baggage but it takes hal jordan as a character and kind of redeems him um you will need to wiki some stuff because it it involves a couple of things that happened beforehand but it is it's really really good uh flash rebirth is the same way it brings back barry allen who at the time hadn't been around for 20 years. 
um, and brings him into the modern day. And it's actually a really, really cool, cool jumping on point. And I think Jeff Johns is going to be writing an Aquaman book. We talked about this after out, out of the Comic Con mm-hmm. uh, episode. Yep. But he'll be writing an Aquaman book soon. And that is, I guarantee you, it's going to be good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Are you good now? I I, I think I got it all out of my system. Okay, yeah. good. You know why? Uh, I don't know. Because that was that and this is this. It's time for Cuz. Got there. It's news. It's not time for Cuz, it's news. Wow, guys, I'm having some issues. It's time for Do you want to try that again? No, no, I'm okay. just going to leave this in. Maybe. <laughs> it's time for what you've been all up right. to. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Oh, uh, man. Caleb, what you been up to? <laughs> so it's. I got it. it. It's now. Got it in one. Nailed is it. it. Is it like T A? What you been up to? Yeah, that's how I've been saying it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I have been playing. Spider-Man on the PS4. Ooh. Yeah. I, all right. I need to know how many of the, your selfies are going to be on the Cuz We're Nerds Instagram from the game. <laughs> so no selfies, but legit. Like the first night mm. I put it in, I put like four things on in, the Instagram page and we don't post there often. And it was like back to back to back. <laughs> uh, That's beautiful yeah it, it was a lot um but uh, i have played it quite a bit at this point not as much as i would have liked because i had to go out of town over the weekend but i am probably six seven hours in or so um the litter little completion gauge tells me i'm like 33 percent of the way through um but it is really good i will say when i first put it in i wasn't quite sure if i liked some of the mechanics or the way the swinging felt uh i've come around it is, it's really good. Um, so far, I, I kind of wish there were some more interior areas. Uh, one of the things that sticks out about previous Spider-Man games is there's a lot of uh, interior levels or areas that, that you play through. Uh, and I haven't really mm-hmm. gotten to many of those. And so it's a little strange to be outside so much. Um, but it's, it's, it's a smart game. Uh, it's the best representation of Spider-Man in any video game. Uh, they have nailed the Peter Parker side of it, which is missing from pretty much all of the other Spider-Man games. Uh, the Spider-Man mechanics themselves feel fresh and good. Uh, the world is massive. I mean, New York is just enormous. Uh, there's stuff to do. Sometimes I wish there was more stuff to do in the city, although as you go through the story, you actually unlock new things to do in the city, which is interesting. Uh it's, it happens pretty consistently, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly where the story is going. I have heard that there are some after the credit scenes when the game ends. I have no idea what those are. I really don't know if there are any surprise villains in it, aside from what we've seen in marketing. Uh, Which we've seen a lot in marketing, to be fair. A lot. We've, marketing. we've seen, if, if you don't want to know, turn it off, although it's been in all the marketing. We've seen um, the Sinister Six, most of mm-hmm. them. We've seen five of them. Um, right. Shocker. Mr. Negative. And Mr. Negative. And that's all I know, at least, because I stopped watching stuff at a certain point. Okay. Um, right. I think I think Fisk was revealed in one of the, oh, one yeah, of the yeah. trailers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Fisk. Although, 
That's the opening of the game. You can't. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have a Spider-Man game set in New York without Fisk. You can't because it's happened many times. I know, but they were all wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool. As most people have probably heard by now, there are locations of very famous Marvel things. So like Avengers Tower is in New York. Uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum from Doctor Strange is in New York. Uh, you passed um, Daredevil's Church at some point. Um, all kinds of stuff. So far, I haven't seen any other characters. Uh, please don't tell me if you know, because I want to experience this myself. Uh, but it's great. Uh, highly, highly recommend. Yeah, that, that game looks awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, it it'll happen later, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Oh, and I was able to snag the collector's edition, which I didn't think I was going to be able to. And the statue in there is sweet. Sick. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to come up there and check it out. Yeah. I haven't been up to your place in a while. All right, Chris, what you been up to? I, okay. So I actually had a hard time coming up with this, but then I realized what, what, what I had been up to. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't get a lot of time when I'm not working on, on our stream. Right. Um, but sometimes I can work on my stream and watch other stuff. I went back and I started rewatching Trigun, which we don't know. It's an anime from the late nineties, um, that was localized and aired on Toonami in the early two thousands about, um, this gunman by the name of Vash the Stampede on this planet in the distant future it's a desert planet uh that humanity is kind of sparsely populated and it's kind of like a sci-fi wild west and it's really really cool it's really well done the dub is kind of hit or miss but the the main cast is usually on point and i've i've seen the whole series through twice but i'm not gonna lie i've started re-watching it like eight or nine times and I always get to a particular point and then something happens and I never get to watch it again. Mm. I'm I'm trying to push past that point and I think I'm actually at the exact episode. It's like episode nine. Something happens uh, in my life. Not in the show. It's not like the show gets worse. <laughs> the show just gets better and better and better um, because they add new new things, uh, new lore as things go, go on. But... Um, uh, something happens, I get distracted, a new show comes out, whatever, and I'm not able to finish the series. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try my hardest. And we're going we're to get through it, and I'm really excited about it. One of those times was showing it to me, actually, for the first time. It was. I think we watched we watched a couple of episodes, and then what did we watch? Doctor Who? Um, no. I think that was we, before We watched a bunch Doctor of other Who. stuff. Yeah, so we had a we had a list. Okay, so um, back back when I moved down here and... Caleb, Caleb moved down here after I, down to Atlanta, the Atlanta area after I did. Um, we would hang out a lot and we would just be kind of be like, well, what are we going to watch? And so we came up with a list and we would roll a die or use a random number generator to figure out what we're going to watch. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Uh, that, that led to us starting and stopping a bunch of stuff i can't even i i may have the list somewhere still i think i have that notepad somewhere. man we started bacchano we started trigun we started the persona 4 anime we started oh yeah we we started doctor who but i went through and finished it uh a lot of things i actually started yeah. trigun again recently um because i i only got like those four episodes in or whatever uh 
and same thing happened. I just got busy. <laughs> I only made it through right. like two episodes. Yeah, you actually, I think it's like episode episode five is where the ongoing story starts. So like the first first five or six episodes are kind of just like one shots mm. um, that don't have an overarching story. But five through eight, I think, have kind of like a um, they have kind of like an arc set in one particular town. Right. And then everything kind of spins out from there. Um, the, the show is only 26 episodes. It's on Hulu. If you guys have Hulu. Uh, it's dubbed on Hulu. I don't know if it's subbed, if that matters to you. Um, definitely check that out. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I started? I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. Uh, I started One Piece. Oh, man. I am so excited and so sorry for you at the exact same time. Well, so I'm not treating it as a show that I'm actively just trying to get through. It's more Mm -hmm. of a, I need something to watch. Uh, I'll put that on. And so I'm like uh, seven or eight episodes in, uh, which is a lot because the first time I tried to watch it, I shut it off during the intro music because I I didn't like it. (laughs) You didn't like We Are? What kind of a monster are you? Well, I like it now. I like it now. Okay. All right. But the first time. You're redeemed. Because I I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was going to be a little bit more serious and it's not at all. Uh, (laughs) But um, Well, that's not true. It is is very lighthearted, but it, it can get very serious. Generally... It's not, though. Yeah. 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 Um, so I know we've got a friend, Clay, who just talks about this whenever he can because uh, he loves it so much. But um, I think I like it. I, I think I like it. It's it's growing on me. Every time I watch it, um, I like it a little bit more. I just got done, I think, with the buggy arc, um, which didn't really feel like an arc to me. It didn't feel long enough to be an arc. Uh, but it was cool, I guess buggy the pirate uh, buggy. The, the pirate yeah remember the pirate um yeah the, the pirate in the show about pirates right no yes. uh the clown the clown. clown yes okay ah yeah i yeah okay I, I get you it gets way better i mean they're still they're honestly like they're still they were still adding people to the main cast in like episode 250 or something like that yeah or 350 so the uh, the last episode ended with um a shot of the big nose dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. Um, so one piece is a fantastic show. I am not a big shonen anime guy, which means like, I don't like to watch the, the long running series that kind of just have the tendency to never end or, um, fill in gaps whenever they come up against the manga that they're adapted to. Like whenever they reach the same point Mm -hmm. in the story, um, so like Bleach and Naruto, I'm not a big, I wasn't a big fan of Dragon Ball Z kind of got me when I was growing up. So I was able to watch that. Uh, One Piece, I, I managed, I think I'm in episode like 380 something. Um, and I kind of stopped being able to watch it, but I, I do want to finish it. It's actually one of the things that is actively on my list, but I like to, um, I, I kind of like to pay attention to, to One Piece a little bit. So I can't usually have it on unless I'm doing something kind of mindless. Right. But uh, definitely worth checking out. Don't look at how many episodes there are because it's kind of daunting. Um, Yeah. But once you start, if you like it, you'll love it. It it just gets better and better and better. And like the show is the good kind of ridiculous where it's like, this is amazing and funny, but it totally makes sense within the universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
Caleb, Caleb hasn't gotten there yet, but that's just kind of how the show's arc evolves is that things get bigger, mm-hmm. um, or more, more unique and really, really cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even halfway through of what's been currently released. So Clay, who is the other C of the CNC Power Hour, is the main, is the is the resident expert, um, and he has this insane passion for the show. Definitely check it out. Yeah, if you are brand new to it and just trying it, uh, kind of like I was, I would highly recommend giving it a couple episodes because uh, it took a few episodes for me not to find Luffy, the main character, annoying, uh, which is kind of a problem. Yeah, I can definitely see that. He's kind of childish, but he grows on you really quickly. Yeah, he does. Uh, it's available on Funimation's streaming service, which I know you're like, Ugh, another streaming service I got to pay for. It's only like four bucks a month. It's got tons yeah. of stuff on there. Yeah, it does. It's Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in, or not Ghost in the Shell, but like just a bunch of stuff for say, five, six bucks a month. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, it's it's five or six. It's it's or four. Some it's something really cheap. Um, definitely worth go check it out yeah like like the marvel thing if you kind of want to get into anime funimation's one of the best companies with dubs to start with it's got so dragon ball just kind of that's your thing yeah dragon ball uh, cowboy bebop is something that people will talk about a lot yep. whenever it comes to introducing people to anime that's one to check out that they have they've got a great selection mm-hmm. they really do all right chris you got anything else um you know not really but man this is this has been an episode i've talked a lot you've talked a lot it's been good yeah this has been a long episode guys thanks for sticking with it i know we haven't done one this long and oof, i mean probably since infinity war actually uh because we we kind of shortened our episodes after that but uh if you liked it let us know again uh please if you have ideas for episodes send them in to us cuswernerds at gmail.com or facebook or twitter uh, or if your friends have something they'd like to hear, you know, send them on over. We'll do whatever. So long as it's at least loosely connected to nerdy stuff, we'll talk about it. I think. Yeah, probably. I mean, I can talk about anything. So if Caleb ever asks me on because he doesn't know what's going on, I'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Well, you know who does know what's going on? Taylor Poole. Taylor Poole, that's right. Taylor Poole did our opening music. He's a great guy. Go check him out at taylorpoolmusic.com. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-O-O-L-E music.com. And Chris, where can they find you? Um, so they can find me at twitch.tv forward slash C the letter N C power hour. That's our Twitch channel where we stream Magic the Gathering on Sundays and video games throughout the week. We actually had some technical difficulties this past weekend and weren't able to start Persona 4 Golden, but we are going to start it this, uh, the day after this episode comes out. Um, so if you're listening to it on the 14th, we'll be starting Persona 4 Golden on the 15th. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a fun, uh, wacky and also like cool emotional game. Uh, so definitely, definitely come check us out there. You can also, uh, I guess technically we have a Twitter, but we have a Discord. Go into our Discord, chat there. Uh, you can find the links to that on our, on our Twitch page. Awesome. And also go check out our website, cosmernerds.com. Find all the episodes. Uh, there's a contact form on there. That's how you can tell us what you want to hear. Please, tell us what you want to hear. <laughs> we want to know. Ah. 
Indeed, and that that's that is a great website over at c u z w e r e n e r d s dot com. Uh, you did a standout job with that, man. Uh, every time I go visit, I'm kind of like blown away that you man that you were you were able to do this by yourself. It's awesome. I do what I can. I do what I can. If anybody wants to drop me a dime for my great work, let me know. I'll take it. Thanks for listening to Cuz We're Nerds. Stay up to date with all the nerdy news and podcast drops by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also leave us comments and feedback at cuzwernerds at gmail.com. That's C-U-Z-W-E-R-E-N-E-R-D-S at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Next week, we'll discuss a legendary game format, tabletop RPGs. Why do games like D&D have such a stigma? Do you really have to build your life around it? And is it as complicated as everyone thinks? Find out next week on Cuz We're Nerds. Go for it, Chris. Oh, yeah. Stay nerdy. <laughs> uh, um, actually, like, I'm glad I got to do the website bit because I really wanted to spell your guys' thing because it's fun to spell out loud. <laughs> Why? I don't know. If you do it fast enough, it's kind of like a challenge. <laughs> I forgot to spell it, so it's a good thing that you did. I got you, fam. Okay, trying to get all the popping out of the way. Do it as close to the mic as possible. <laughs> That's his neck breaking. Mm. <laughs>